Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Life Behind the Trig podcast. This evening we have myself, Kyle Randalls and Sinclair Patience as your hosts. And joining us we have John Hugh McLeod. John is a stalwart of the games. He has previously won uh, the Under-25 League um, at Braemar. He won Braemar games. He's came through that as most of the, the Scottish heavies we've spoken to have. You start off as a, an 18-year-old to your 25-year-old, you compete through there. John also has a fair CV of on-the-road games. He's been to Japan, he's been to New Zealand, he was recently in Florida with me. So, John, without further ado, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Sinclair. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so, John, I mean, we normally just start off with a simple question, which is, how did you, John Hugh McLeod, get into the games? Uh, well, Kyle, um, I started off at my, my local games, actually, um, Ascent in Lochimber, Um Actually, well, actually, the first year I didn't even get to throw because they had uh, had about ten people going to be throwing at the game, so they did a qualifier, uh, and I actually, I actually didn't throw far, far enough. So, uh, I, well, cut a long story short, I trained quite hard for the next year, and then I managed to managed to get in, and then ever since I've kind of managed to crack on. So, so in, yeah, then the, in your first year, aye, how, did you only do the one games in your first year, your local one, or did you spread out a bit? No, I was just at the one. I was well. I was seventeen, so, um, well, I was probably like six foot two and about thirteen stone. So there's just no <laughs> zero power there. So, um, <laughs> I eventually got a bit bigger through age and a bit of training and that. Um, like the next year, I, I trained a bit, and I think I think that first year only I only put like thirty foot or something. So, you know, it just uh, gives you an idea of. Of what's possible if you if you put your mind to it, you can you can do a bit better, and it should be a, an example for anyone, sort of thing. Ah, I mean, um, your your second year in the games, John. You said you went away and you trained a bit. When you came back, right. did you do a few more games, or was it still just your local one? Yeah, well, so I did I did my local one, and I did um, uh, Dornoch. I think Sinclair was there. Hey, John. And I think you. I was going to say, I think uh, right. I, I remember meeting you. At- Pretty pretty early on in my games career, um, but then we kind of came up over the last ten fifteen years from there. But was that was that maybe your second year in the games at Dornoch? Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, that would be yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I think I did Dornoch and I did Invercarron as well. So I did Dornoch. three of them. That's the, that was all the Sutherland games that I could get in as a local. So, so but, yeah, I was going to say Sutherland games are quite good in that they do run. Usually in the morning, there's there's events for the locals, and you tend to get um, local and novice throwers. So uh, there's there's the kind of stalwarts that, that turn up year after year just to compete that day, and then they finish at twelve o'clock and they're off to the beer tent. <laughs> is that a, yeah is that similar in Burkara? They've got a novice event, don't they? Yeah, that, there's 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 uh, Durness as well has locals, and I forget where else. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So I think there's four games and and Ascent as well. So yeah, there's yeah there's a, there's a few games that you can if you're local, but the the locals have been kind of struggling recently for for what reason I don't know. The the same with under twenty fives. There's not that many uh, throwers coming through just now. I don't know what is it just a, a a phase or something or you know and then you'll have ten fifteen guys in two or three years time. I don't know. I think it just comes in cycles. Um, like at times, 
they need they need throwers to to look up to, and obviously over the last number of years there've been an, you know a good few foreign throwers um, sort of dominating the, the the circuit at the very top level, uh, so that that's quite tough to to aspire to. Whereas if you've got someone a bit closer to home, um, and there's there's Scottish throwers doing well, you know as as a local young young boy, I think that's probably more relatable. Yeah, well, so, def- definitely. There's the likes of uh, Alistair Murray, Jason Young. Um, who else would have been there? Um, Ian Mackay. You no, know, there's quite a few North throwers that going around at that point to sort of aspire to. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I always remember like coming up there, a hundred foot in the light hammer, whether it was with spikes or no spikes, was was what you were kind of aiming for, wasn't it? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so so kind of. I was still doing the. I still very much involved with the local um, the local games, but I started doing uh, started doing the under twenty five. And um, oh, uh, actually, I'll just go into this as well. I was um, at Invercarron. I actually got um, Hugh Murray's number, the throws coach, uh, from uh, Jim Sanderman actually. And uh, so and when I was down in Glasgow, I actually went and started training with Hugh. So he had the Neil Elliott and uh, Gary Hagen and Willie Faulkner. So we're training that guy, training with that guys for for the shot put, which helped me a lot. So, so uh, he, also, he was uh, the the national Scottish athletics throws coach, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was throwing like ten meters. So <laughs> by the time by the time I finished, I was throwing twelve or that. Well, and I went on to put over over fourteen. So yeah, I definitely took something from it. So did you put further? Did you ever do any amateur shot putt, or have you put further at Highland Games? No, I've put further at Highland Games. I think I've, I think like twelve sixty is my best out of a circle. But I mean, I would have been capable of a lot more than that. It's just when you're not training like that all the time. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. I think forty-eight six is my best with it. You you've always played about a wee bit, haven't you, with your uh, with your technique? Like I've seen you do. Almost full rotation, half full rotation, front on. What what have you thrown furthest with? Well, that kind of modified full rotation. Um, I think that 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 was what I threw the four eights uh, foot six with. It. I think that's yeah. a, a full rotation throw is going to get your best throw in the shot put because you can get so much torque, so much more torque and separation in. But it's so difficult unless you're unless you're training it a lot. Uh, I find the front on a lot more reliable, and with a heavy stone, the front front on's a lot better as well. Yeah, uh, front, you've got front on or a glide. We we obviously had Scott Ryder on a few weeks ago now, and uh, he's come from a a strong athletics background, and he was kind of saying to to train the full rotation. But most most throwers that you'll speak to, uh, you know, guys like Ryan Vieira, who, who also came from a an athletics background, he'd kind of advocate the modified South African just because it's a bit more consistent. Because um, obviously yeah. in the games you've got different implements, different ground, different weather. So I think it's consistency that you're looking for. But yeah, yeah what year was that? I remember. Um, I remember in in Nairn, uh, there's a there's an open Nairn stone, and you can throw it whatever way you want. I think you can even throw it over your head backwards if you like. But I'm sure yeah. you. Uh, it's close to seventeen pound, and I'm sure I remember you throwing it over forty-seven foot. I think. 
Yeah, that was that was twenty eleven, so it's done quite well that year. Yeah. Um, so it, you're just I was with that kind of modified rotation rotation. Um, it kind of you need to practice a lot, and that's what helped. I mean, that's why what well, likes the Scott Ryder doing is is full rotation. He's so consistent all the time, no matter what what the the weather's like. Yeah, he's he's just got so many reps under his belt. You know, it's going to be difficult for uh, for anyone coming into the Highland Games to to have that level of experience. I think. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, definitely. You, you you're pretty steady across the board though with your your events. What what tends to be your your favourite Highland Games event? Well, there was a time um, when I was throwing a hammer quite light hammer quite well, so I, I like like throwing that at one point, but. Again, it's one of the things when you're not training it quite as much as you'd like. I think Hammer's one of the ones that's worse affected. I don't know what you think, Kyle. Uh, you've, you've obviously been quite consistent with your Hammer over the last few years. Um, do, you find that, do you find that if you miss training it, you, you know it goes or is it always there? I, I, I tore my stomach, I think it was 2016, 2017. And see now the first two, three sessions after the winter, I go out and I actually throw the Hammer. All I can say is uh, the phrase squeaky bum time. Um, I'm basically just sitting, I'm terrified at it happening again because it's, it's the weirdest feeling ever. It was the middle, middle of a heavy hammer throw and it just went ping. And for some stupid yeah. reason, I tried to hold on to it and deliver it. So I did a full swing with a torn stomach. So, yeah, I, I always find the first few sessions back, I'm always a bit rusty. And then the distance just sort of sort of gradually adds on. But, You're uh, just tickling, tickling an ab strain, Kyle. I, I, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's tickling, just tickling the, the injury. Um, but I, I found my best year for hammer distance was twenty sixteen. Um, I think I threw one hundred and forty nine eleven, never one hundred and fifty. Uh, and I think I was one two four or one two five with a heavy. And then every year since, I, I've not really reached those heights. Um, I've been close with a heavy, but I've been more consistent overall. Um, so yeah, I mean, my favorite events obviously the hammer. Um, yeah. I enjoy watching it and I enjoy throwing it. But yeah, it's like everything in life. When it's going well, it's the best thing in the world. When it's not, yeah, it's, just it... a, it's just a headache. I'd, I'd yeah, say, definitely. Kyle, that... So, John, you sort of mentioned that's maybe one of your, your favourite events. Um, yeah, when, when you, I'm throwing it well, not, not normally. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you've, you've probably got quite a, quite a traditional uh, technique in the hammer. You, you trained a lot with uh, Bruce Aitken, didn't you? Yeah, I mean that's and when you're training with with someone like Bruce, that even even just watching them makes you think, oh, that's what I need to be doing, sort of thing. So it's no uh, it's no surprise that when uh, when I've not been training with Bruce, that it's kind of <laughs> kind of gone down. But um, yeah. I, I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I got got back in that kind of a decent uh, routine of of throwing it, it would come back up and. Yeah. Kyle, where did you sort of pick your your technique up? Was it just from watching professional throwers, or did you go into your own kind of groove with things with a hammer? Because that's obviously your strongest event. Um, but what got you there? I mean, I, I first uh, I, I probably was fourteen, fifteen, right, maybe even younger. But Willie had said to me, um, "Happy to coach you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to throw the Scots hammer." And I was, "Oh, what, what's that?" So I went out and I remember the first time I threw it, I think I was like 14. I'm going to say 14, 15. I think I threw like 100 feet and uh, that was with a 16. Um, 
and he just said we're going to throw it once a week, just basically periodically. So I continued throwing it once a week, and obviously it grew into that. But uh, Willie was a big an an avid throw it faster, harder, and and, and sort of stronger. That that was yeah. the approach. Um, but the hammer, I, I tend to try and think of a winding rhythm, so slow wind, faster wind, and then just flat out, rather than a, you know, you see some throwers are just wham, wham, wham. Um, yeah. And I just try and lean lean back with it and just sort of heave it at the end. Um, but I remember uh, Lorne saying to me, sort of laughing, Lorne Coulthart, friend who's not sure, uh, probably one of the best Scottish athletes in recent years, he'd said to me, I could so easily add 10 foot to your hammer. And I was like, oh, how? He goes, I'm not telling you. Yeah, Lauren loves that, and so does Stephen King. Uh, so, so many times I've been throwing, especially with the hammer. Lauren will just be sitting with his arms folded, chuckling. Stephen King will do exactly the same thing. I could add fifteen foot to that straight away. Ah, oh, great, thanks, Stephen. What do I need to do? I'm not telling you. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how you throw a squash. Do somewhere. What's wrong with my hammer technique? <laughs> I can't believe that somebody sticks their heels right to the the trig and and rips it like you do. <laughs> it was so far. I think my swings are all right. I think it's just that final swing. Oh, um, it's very, do you think it's fair to say that you owe your success to your NBA vest? Yeah, well, it's definitely something to do with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, <laughs> that, that 2016, I think it's 235, and I wore the Bulls vest at every game. <laughs> I might need to get one for 2021. Maybe it's the extra static it was causing. What's that? Maybe it's the extra static it was causing. Give you, give you a bit <laughs> extra. I don't think that would go down too well now with the the the, the shift towards traditional kilt holes, eh? I don't know. Eh? <laughs> um. But John, throughout, throughout your, uh, we'll call it a career. You know, you always feel weird calling your your throwing uh, your throwing times careers. But throughout your career, John, what are your standout memories or moments for you personally? Um, well, in 2011, I've already mentioned that before, I was throwing, throwing well. Uh, and then at, at my local games, the Ascent Games, um, I, I think I put 47, um, 39, 9 in the heavy putt. Um, I did 134, 9 in the light. I don't know what happened that day, but I, I went ahead of Rusty Price was... Uh, here, I don't know if you remember, he was a SGA world champion that year. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's throwing well, isn't he? So I went, I went ahead of him. I couldn't believe it. I, I don't did, know what happened. And then uh, did you stay ahead of him? No, no. This was going to say. <laughs> then he came back, and I was like, oh. So I got. So it was, but it was, it was great feeling just, uh, you know, getting up there and in amongst it, sort of thing. Um, you know, um, when you're no used to that. And, it uh, gives you confidence, that doesn't it? Like even if oh, it's yeah. one games, if you if you have an event where you're you kind of in the mix, top top two, top three, you know, you, it gives you confidence for the, the whole season. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, when you hear the crowds cheering as well, going whoa, you know, you know I'm not really used to that now, <laughs> generally. So um, that was quite good. And also last year, um, I managed to toss the qualifying caber. At, um, Inverary for the at the World Championship, so um, I'm sure it's not the biggest qualifying caber they've ever had. But when you've had trouble with your caber and you manage to toss it, it's a it's a great feeling. It's a it's a good showing on a day where there was 23 athletes. Yeah, yeah. So I was quite quite pleased with that. Um, the year before, Stephen actually pointed out what I was doing wrong, 
Um, and then the very next thing, <laughs> I like. Did he laugh at you most? I told you. <laughs> no, he told, no, no, he told me what was doing wrong. So I must, uh, I must be more favourite than you two boys. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, no, it was, so it was good. So it's just basically just said to, to to leave it longer because I was trying to pull it too, too, uh, too quickly, sort of thing. So. Just made all the That's usually, it's usually the opposite advice that people are given. You're pulling it too late. Yeah, but I mean, this that worked for me, and it's just what you've got. It's it's just, and that's the other thing with coaching. Um, I mean, you you can know everything what's going on, but if you can't tell people what they're doing wrong in a way that they understand, you know, that's what makes a massive difference. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think just small. Little tips like that can can make such a big difference, and you can be out in a field for hours on your own, um, you know, trying trying to get things right, and then someone will come and, and give you one little tip, which makes a huge difference. Oh, I mean, they say about getting reps in your throwing, but if you if you're getting lots of reps in your throwing wrong, it's kind of no use either. So you've got to be you've got when you're training, you've got to be trained with a purpose of, of what you're doing. You need to pick say three things what you're trying to do and. No work on that. There's no you can't. Yeah, can't work on does, every aspect. No, exactly. You've got to you've got to break things down. Um, that's two two good moments. What about your uh, your big win at Bremar in two thousand and nine? Well, it's a it's an interesting story. This <laughs> uh, two thousand two thousand and nine. Um, at, at Bremar, uh, I hurt my back a couple of weeks before and spent all the time getting. And getting it better and everything, making sure I was fit for it. Uh, and the reigning world amateur champion, he was also going to be there as well. So I was right up for it. I watched the film Taken. You know that, you know that film of Liam Neeson? So yeah. I was extra, extra motivated. Uh, I, well, I managed to get get the win, beating the world amateur champion of uh, Sinclair Patience. You <laughs> <laughs> Even though he looked uh, pretty tired, having coming off the plane, because I think it was just the week before, so so that was that was pretty good. We can always say that we won at Bramar, but don't have to mention it was under twenty five. But no, that was so that was good. Doesn't matter, I don't think. Like Kyle said at the start, um, you know, so so many good throwers have come up through the under twenty fives, and t- to win uh, to win the overall at Bramar is always a big thing, whether it's under twenty fives or or open, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, I was I was definitely happy with that, and it's, even even it's a great place to to throw up Bramar. I mean, we sometimes know the best with all the kind of you know. There's a lot of people that there that day, officials and security and that kind of thing. So, but it's still a special place, I think. Yeah, it's a lot of history. What um what are some of the most impressive things you've seen at the game? So you've obviously mentioned what what your kind of top moments are, but what are some of the more impressive things that you've actually seen? Um, well, when was it? 2007, maybe? Was Bruce Robb throwing 17 at the weight with the bar number S? Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... Uh, you were there, Kyle, I think, were you? That was, you were... Uh, that was one of my first games as like a proper... In fact, you know, son, that would have been one of my first games up north. Because uh, it was, I, uh, I remember, yeah. It was the World Champs mixed with the World Masters at Inverness, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember because I'm pretty sure I was throwing like a 28 pound weight for height, and I, I think I got up to about 23 or 24 feet, and they were kind of like, <laughs> "Let's just leave it there." And then I immediately <laughs> turned around and saw Bruce throwing like 17 or whatever it was. Way it was a 16, yeah. 6 or 17. No, 17. Nah, I've got a video of it. The second I finished, I turned around and I saw him throwing that, and I thought, "Wow, 
It was, uh, it was so one of the most one of the most impressive throws I've seen, and especially with Scottish as well as uh, you know because you know, obviously seventeen foot uh, weight throws from a Scot isn't isn't very common, so <laughs> it's pretty pretty impressive. Like, um, yeah, really impressed, especially with a knockoff bar. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was well over, and you know the the throwers that were there as well. Uh, had had Kirill there. He was he was throwing the weight with the bar big then as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that was uh, Greg Redmond's one Inverness yes. or went yeah, to that, Worlds that, was, that year. Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was that year. That was always um, uh, so. So everyone always said Gregor won won the world championship, but he didn't win an event. I think he was just consistently top three. So which yeah. shows that you know you don't you don't necessarily need to be. Winning events, you just need to be consistent across the board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, also, um, I don't know where you there, I don't know where you there, Simon. When Bruce Aitken threw 133 in the heavy hammer at Cornhill. Yeah, yeah, I was we, there that year. We're all standing out on the field. I don't know. You just expect him to, to go a normal heavy hammer distance, and then it went over everyone. And I remember Murray Gunn next to me going, "Oh, it's incredible!" That. Yeah, I think I think it's twenty one pounder or something like that, but it's still it's still a massive throw is, considering what the record was before. Is there not something funny about the hammers at Cornhill? Because I've only been once or twice, and I, I can remember uh, going one year right, and I, I threw like and, and the light, which is a horrible hammer. I think I threw like a hundred and thirty seven or something, and then the next year I came back in the program they had my throw in as a hundred eighty seven. <laughs> um, but I can remember looking at the heavy hammer record, and I thought, "Well, holy shit!" Yeah, the, yeah. the light, the light hammer's heavy, and the the heavy hammer's light, so it makes up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they even out, but still, even if it's twenty one pound, you know that's that's still a massive throw. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, the other one is a certain uh, two thousand nine world amateur champion. Uh, Singular patience throwing ninety foot at John Toffey. Ninety foot, nearly took Jeff Cape's record. Oh. <laughs> well, that that was a big throw that day. Yeah, it was a big throw, and again, we we don't know. Like, a, I assume it must have been a little bit light, but I think on the day, you know, there were some some good throwers there. Bruce Robb was there, Craig Singler yeah. was there, and I think the closest throw was about eighty five foot. So, to to throw ninety five foot up it might have been 86 but still four four or five foot up on on strong competition you know i, I still think it was was a was a good throw the furthest i've ever thrown since has been i've had an 85 foot and an 86 foot um i've, I've not been close to 90 again so i'd love to but we'll see what happens <laughs> i mean 90 foot yeah. is an okay heavy hammer throw you know what i mean it's a uh... It's quite quite impressive when you put it in a perspective. Oh yeah, definitely. That that winter, uh, I just moved home, I think, from university, and my dad had got me uh, doing hundreds of line drills outside the house. You know, just literally sets of like eight turns um, for five sets, and it didn't feel like they were working because my first few games, I came out and. I was throwing like maybe seventy nines, and I was kind of thinking, what what was the point in that? You know, it's it's not done anything. But then, towards the mid to end of that season, I started throwing the weight over eighty uh, a fair bit. So 
I think they do they do make a difference. Um, yeah, I've not done as many since. I, I got a, had a thing called labyrinthitis, which like affects your balance. It was a horrible thing. Um, I had it for a good sort of week. I couldn't couldn't move much to be honest. I was uh, I was struggling. So whenever I do those types of kind of high rep turns, I, I struggle a bit for for a few hours after now. So I tend to kind of stay away from them and prefer just warming up with a good number of one turns. Uh, yeah. before going into full throws in terms of impressive throws I've seen I find it hard to pinpoint one but see watching Scott Ryder uh, throw the, the 28 weight uh, for distance I don't know what it is yeah. it just, it's so slick and at the end there's just this acceleration and a like a boom and obviously I've witnessed Scott throwing high 80s multiple times um, yeah. I, f- I find it hard to honestly pinpoint a single games but Scott yeah, he's doing it well I think one of the most impressive things is if you see like still frames of Scott's 28, it, both feet are, are well in the air, but he manages to get them down and planted and he's still working on the weight for a long, long time. Like if you saw a photo of him with his feet in the air, you would say, nah, he's never he's never going to get them down. He's not going to throw far, but he seems to still be able to, to get his feet down at the front and, and work on weight for, for a big finish. If you notice that, you know, like, so he's on the weight at the end. Yep. Lucas does that that the best in the the linear shot put. He's got his hip. All the, all the kind of uh, experienced athletes, you know, that come from athletics, they can keep on the on the weight or whatever with their both feet in the ground and they're still on the, on the implement. Is that that's what, that's what makes the difference, I think. Yeah, everything you know, going into to the finish, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I also, a... I also need to mention Burger Lambrex uh, at Creef with, with both putts. Some of the most insane putting I've ever witnessed at a Highland Games first hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, comfortable. And then I believe he fouled, uh, I, th- I think it was a heavy putt record. He just fouled it, but he, he pretty much smashed it. Um, it was it was a good few inches of good foot or so past it, um, but he just couldn't keep it in. There was another guy um, with Gregor at the at Bramara one time. I can't remember his name now. Uh, he was a shot putter. He, I think he broke he broke the under twenty fives, uh, and then I think he went for uh, Brian Oldfield's record. At, um, is it Brian Oldfield that has it or Capes that has Gar- it? Garrett Johnston. Yes, aye. Yeah, yeah. I he, was, he was very impressive. Yeah, just just a snap. Uh, in the finish, like when you see these guys uh, that, that putt over twenty meters, it's just—it's a totally different thing. Like you, you don't see that at games week in, week out, and when they do turn up, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. Even, even guys that are putting sort of nineteen meters. Do you remember Damien Birkenhead? Yeah, he's—he's he's a very good athlete. I thought uh, really, he's probably really one of the most boy. impressive guys. And I think just, in 2014 he, he came over to the Commonwealth Games and he he did about four or five Highland Games and he took uh, he took records I'm sure in Sky and Strathpeffer and they weren't they weren't well they, they were big big throws I think they were close to 60 foot um, they weren't probably what you'd expect but things are different when you've been specialised you know just training for for athletics and then you come onto grass it's it's different but. I was impressed watching him do a, a modified South African as well. 
and it just yeah. looked so simple, but the, the pop that he got at the end was incredible. So, so it was, um, when I was at New Zealand, there was at uh, Hororatha Games. Um, Dave Coulter, he was young, Dave Coulter, he was there as well. And uh, Tom Walsh was there. Oh, uh, yeah. He was throwing. I think he just won the world indoor that year. So he was, you know, he's 22 metres and he, he's been near 23 metres uh, yeah. last year, wasn't he? Um, I mean, see them, it's just a different thing, yeah. uh, these guys throwing. So um, dynamic. He, I mean, he he did he didn't look like 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 Damien Birkenhead, for example. When, when he was there, you're thinking he's like a really impressive athlete. But Tom Walsh didn't look well. He was kind of like the same build as you, Sinclair. Um But I mean, just that just shows how specialist he is, and he's obviously very strong as well. I like how you said that D- Damien uh, Birkenhead really looked like an athlete. Tom Walsh. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, like, not. Um, he just looked like a, a, a normal guy, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. A normal. No, guy I know what you mean. He, I, I know what you mean. He, he, uh, he doesn't necessarily look, look, look like a, a monster like some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So, uh, but, no, I mean, it's... I mean, no, no, no disrespect there, Tim, because he's obviously a. a, a yeah, exactly. Um, so I, and who else would there be? Do you remember uh, when Bruce Robin and Lauren Coulthard turned up late to to Gordon Castle Highland Games, which is the, our our first games of the season in May, and uh, Lauren literally joined in the second round of the Hammer. Yeah, uh, it came out of the one hundred thirty-five or something. One hundred thirty-five. Yeah, no, no warm up. <laughs> I think he must have only been about, I don't know, twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. Now he was, he was. I mean, some of that full rotation that's Lawrence done. Yeah, yeah. Mid, Lawrence mid, switched mid to 50s. the full rotation on the stone. Um, well, that's obviously very impressive as well. His his brother David at that Horatta Games, they had like a stone lift, and mm-hmm. I don't know what what David weighed at the time. I don't know fourteen, thirteen stone, fourteen stone. And yeah. he picked up all the stones. I think it was, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 160 kilos, the last, the last stone. And he picked it up. You know, he was struggling a bit, but he picked it up no bother. I didn't even loot it. Nah, he's just got that kind of wiry farmer strength, isn't he? Yeah. Man strength. <laughs> I mean, um, John, we'd also mentioned previously that you've you've done a bit of travelling with the games and that. Have you got any favourite games or a sort of top three that you can... Uh, you can pinpoint, like, I know you've been to Japan, you've been to New Zealand, uh, I assume they feature, and obviously recently you had the trip to Florida with some of the, the brightest personalities in Highland Games. <laughs> I definitely, so obviously that's a highlight, but uh, obviously I hurt my back when I was over there, so it wasn't a very highlight of a throwing experience, but um, as, a, as a trip, it was very good. Um, Did you get their back? I got their back in the middle of the game, yeah. so... Um, so Kyle, for for the last ten years, um, <laughs> every couple of months, either John or myself will usually get the back, and we don't really know what it is. It's probably a bulging disc. And it sounds <laughs> like a very a very similar injury. Um, so the back just means you can hardly get out of your bed because so you've got the back. Do you guys take you turns it. or is it a rotor? <laughs> I, I think I've got it mostly. So I think it's my turn most of the time, and then Sinclair thinks he's clear of it, and then. Then I pass it on again. Yeah, uh, 
I've got it. I've got it now. I tried deadlifting last week. <laughs> it's just this little tweak that you feel, and then you think, oh, no. And then it's all right for a wee while, and then just everything shuts down and cramps up. It can get really bad for me. Like, I don't know is it, I don't know what it is, to be honest, but it goes right through into my groin. And uh, I think I'm fine, and then I'll get into the car, and I'll, it'll spasm, and I'm, I'm done. Uh, oh. But luckily, I've not, I've not had it badly for a while. I do think deadlifts trigger it, so I'm trying to... Uh, Maybe stay away from those. Uh, there's a uh, well. There's uh, back to talking about games instead of sore backs. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's I sort of probably like why why Poo's out. Obviously, had great games that uh, myself and Carl were invited to, but unfortunately, with the 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 COVID nineteen situation, has been cancelled. You're probably uh, lucky because Tom Walsh would have been jarring you and calling him a normal looking guy. <laughs> 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 Uh, to be fair, I know. To be fair, I. <laughs> um, I so that that's um, what else? That um, Pyroa, New Zealand as well is a good games. Um, that 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 game's over in Minnesota. Myself and Craig Sinclair went over to. Is that the same one, John? The yeah, we 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 went over in two thousand and seven. Uh, okay, aye, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, was a good t- and was that the same? So we've talked about him a few times now, but was that Kevin? No, it was Ryan and uh, Francis that, that organised it. And ah, I, okay, right. So um, it's obviously switched hands a few times that game. And and Je- Jeff Bryan, he was a, uh, he was a nice guy. He kind of showed us about as well. Um, I don't know what I don't know what happened, but yeah, so that was good. So there was Dan McKinnon that was there and Bert Sullen, uh, Mike Pekoski, uh some so good throwers, eh? Yeah, good throwers there. So, Bert, Bert Soren, he he was uh, he wasn't too heavy, was he? He was he was a really good athlete, and he was he was yeah. throwing far at that time. He won it, I think. Yeah, he definitely won it. Did he? Yeah. Those, those guys must have gone professional just after that. Bert Bert Soren, Dan McKim, Mike Pekoski, and they they all went on to kind of, I mean, they were they were the top throwers in in the world at, at one stage. Yeah. In, in yeah. terms of a games lineup, I recognise just about every name you've just said. So it must have been a hell of a competition, John. Yeah, especially for me because I, I was, um, yeah, I wasn't throwing nothing like them. So it was probably the the worst display from a Scott ever. But I still enjoyed the trip though. So uh, no, it was really good, and it, it that that again gave me confidence to go and push on, sort of thing, because you could see what the what the, the the goal was and what was available, more trips like that. And, um, so, yeah. Um, what about Scottish games, John? Well, my f- I wrote that down. Uh, Balletter was one of my favourite. Uh, Blair Athol. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good game. That both good games. Uh, Inverness. You mind, mind Inverness when it was in the Northern Meeting Park? Yeah, I loved that, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was really good. Um, and there's there's loads of loads of good Scottish games there. What, what do you think makes uh, a Scottish games? I think you've got to have well, there's a crowd, all the different things going on. Um, a good, a good announcer makes a big difference. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's the difference between the crowd being informed and and, and obviously not being informed. It makes a you know, it adds to the atmosphere as well. Um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think uh, 
you know, some of the commentators do do a great job. I think top of my mind, who Robert Lovey's pretty good with with the Glenfiddich games. Um, yeah. You know, he keeps keeps the crowd informed, and he's he's pretty personable. You know, um, there's there's lots of different types. So so down south, more of the strongman type stuff. You've got uh, Andy Kearney. And he, he's more of a joker, um, but definitely keeps the crowd entertained. Alan Pettigrew, I've, I've heard uh, yeah, he's on good, the mic. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's quite good. Um, Pete Hart's actually very good on the mic, for the heavy events especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get Pete every year at Ascent. Um, yeah. I like, like, like hearing Pete talk. Yeah, um, nah, Pete is good. Just thinking of the that New Zealand link again, um, who who was it you were you were heading over through? Was it was it Pat Hellier? Well, I was actually going over on a on a. So the first time I went was on a holiday myself. Yeah. Um, just went and stayed stayed with relatives for six weeks, and I had a tour around a bit as well. And then the second time I went on a, um, I had a particular like a year out. So myself and my wife Darcy went over. So yeah. we were there for worked on a dairy farm down so the you, South Island. So you've thrown there twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool, so. cool. And Pat is Pat's wife not the national shot putt yes. throws coach? Yes, she was at the time. I'm not. I'm, last time I spoke to Pat, he said she wasn't doing so much coaching. Um, okay, but um, yeah, she's. She 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 um she coached Valerie Adams to the to well several Olympic golds I think yeah um, that's pretty cool was she not uh, coaching I, Jack O'Gill as well yeah yeah and I think she was a was she an Olympian herself with the javel, javelin right um I think yeah, definitely yeah. the Commonwealth Games I think she was at Olympics as well so obviously yeah. a good bit of knowledge there and then Pat was um obviously I don't countless times New Zealand champion and came over here and through very well so yeah. Um, yeah so so um so i was good good hooking up with pat and uh, yeah craig, craig reed he came over as well uh, yeah i remember craig well, we, we went we went and stayed over in australia and, and uh, he looked after us very well so we we're supposed to be in the game zone but it got cancelled but he said we were gonna not bother going over but he says no no come over and i couldn't look after us better so that was that was good yeah Nah, good stuff. We good good we link there with with New Zealand, but um, yeah. yeah, coming back to the topic, I think commentators can definitely sort of make or make or break a, a Highland Games. Not so much for the athletes, but certainly for the crowd. Um, yeah, definitely. Weather's also something that has to get an honourable mention. There's nothing worse than a wet, dreary games. Well, there is Kyle a midgy games. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. The only time that you don't <laughs> want the heat. <laughs> what's the yeah, I, uh, what's the nighttime games? Is it Ken? No, is it Ken, Ken, Moore? Ken, Ken Moore? Moore? Yeah, Ken Moore is the worst for midges. I just, I've uh, never, I just done, I've never done. Away, I go for a skin so soft bath before I head there, yeah. and that just keeps them away. Do you think that? So, so in in Scotland, we've got a what do you call it? It's like a mail order catalogue, isn't it? Called Avon. Uh, <laughs> And they sell a moisturizer product called Skin So Soft, and it's supposed to work for midges. But 
I don't find it works. Do you think it does? Uh, I, don't think it I have to say, any cream that's dual purpose, so it makes me look fabulous and it keeps the midges away. It's a no-brainer for me. <laughs> What's <laughs> the what's the where where did that joke come from? You your dad sells Avon. <laughs> I, I like to think there's an origin story where someone's dad actually did sell Avon, but I, I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> I love that that's a an insult. It it's like a DJ remix of it as well. Your dad sells Avon, <laughs> but um, ah, it's been so soft. Uh, John, perhaps getting back back on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you think the, the, the sport of Highland Games and, and to be specific the heavy events where do you think the, the future's going with it what do you think lies in the, lies in weight I don't know I think I think getting through this next year is going to be going to be tough going um, obviously they've all been cancelled this year is there going to be games that had to put out money already that they can't get back um, I know Aston uh, local games that I'm on the committee for um, they, they were they left it as long as possible to cancel and then ended up having to cancel um, and I don't think they they have to put out much money or anything but I'm not sure so sure about their games at the start of the year um, so I think next year's going to be a case of seeing what games are still around and, and kind of you know supporting them as best as can a lot, a lot of games are struggling for committees just committee members just now so um, you know it's worth people get involved with their local committee, just because, I mean, I, I do, I, I certainly, you know, not heavily involved with my committee, but I do what I can, and, uh, you know, they had they had a problem one year, with, uh, they were going to have to cancel the games because they couldn't get a, a pipe band for the, because the World Pipe Band Championships was on the next day, um, so, I mean, I, I think I phoned around about every pipe band going, and uh, Bill Barkley, from Towie Pipe Band eventually managed to help us out, so that you know that 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 saved the games because they weren't going to have a games that year. So uh, there's definitely things you can do, or, um, you know, to help. Do you think? And, do you think, John? There's anything that, that um, c- can be done centrally? So obviously, on every committee, there's some some really dedicated, great people that that make sure the games run from from one year to another. Um, at times. I think um, not just in Highland Games and in lots of different aspects throughout Scotland, we work individually too much. Um, sometimes as athletes as well. But do do you think there's anything uh, we could do to to help games? You know, plan or committee wise, or um, is is there anything that we as as heavyweight athletes could do to support them? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what. I'm not. All, all games are different, aren't they? You know, yeah. Geographically, they're in different places throughout the. So it's. It's very. I think. Obviously, just continue to support the games by going along to them, and yeah. uh, obviously being. Being polite and everything to the to the committee members, you know that makes that goes to, makes, makes a big difference. The, you know, guys help guys helping on the field. The only thing Definitely, I can yeah. think of that stands out is, you know, there's, there's maybe, what, three or four weekends a year where you've got four, five, six games on the same day. The only thing yeah. I think could really help is on those days if people sort of say, I'm going here, and it, it is actually where they're going. Because, you know, yeah. the last thing a games want is, you know, no heavies or, you know, locals turning up or, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can see it from both sides. And, again, I, 
I work with with committees a lot through through my uh, my my work um, with with Scottish rugby, and you, you don't want to you don't ever want to uh, patronise people, you know, because like I said, often people who sit on committees that's absolutely a hobby for them, um, and it's it's by it's far from the first thing on their minds you know it's it's something that they run in the summer although they do give up a, a huge amount of time i think a, a wee bit of support probably centrally c- could help them um and i'm not sure where that might come through but when it comes down to the next generation it's likely going to be scottish athletes and i think that's something we need to remember as well um so although it's great having having visitors come and participate in the Scottish Highland Games, they're not going to be coming back when they're 50, 60, 70 to sit on committees, um, whereas we potentially are. So that's probably something that Highland Games need to, to recognise um, and actively pursue, is that, okay, we're, we're actually the ones that, that might give back to the sport. Um, and foreign athletes may do that, in, in their own countries, but it's very unlikely they're going to come and do it in Scotland. I think that's a fair point that I've never even considered. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think not. Not think having a rant, but I was just you know I think you've rounded up quite well there, Sinclair. Right? Um, I was having a chat with um, with Pete Hart, who, who we've already mentioned. Um, Pete Pete moved here from New Zealand as a rugby player. And has got into the the heavy events, but we had a, a quite a good discussion on that, and we'll probably look to get to get Pete on the the podcast at some point in the future, because um, I think he's got quite an interesting story and background. But he's also got you know opinions on um, how games should be run, and um, is active on a number of committees as well. So it'd be good to to chat to to Pete at some stage. Yeah, Pete does a lot for the games. He's, he's coaching a number of youngsters as well, so. Um, he, he is, yeah. He's got a good group of, uh, I think, about six or seven young young throwers. So that's good to see as well. I think Pete's also one of the most consistently happy men I've ever met in my entire life. He's, he's, he's maybe, I don't know if happy is the word. He's, he's definitely to the point. Jovial? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I guess moving on, John. Um, what what do you think lies in John Hugh McLeod's future within the the heavy events in the Highland Games? Um, just hopefully um, get through, obviously get through this lockdown period and uh, get back to tra- well. Kind of was training for going to New Zealand and then when that got kind of cancelled, they're kind of taking the foot off the gas. So look to get back training, get fit for next season. So ho- hopefully there is a season next year. Uh, we don't obviously with this virus going on just now. We don't know what's going to really happen. We um, need to get a training a training pad laid, John. Aye, definitely, definitely. We need, John, we need to find John, a place first. Well, exactly. John John's moved from Aberdeen up to uh, Inverness, so he's only five minutes away from me. Um, but we've only managed maybe three or four sessions at random bits of concrete. Um, so we're we're hoping to find a field that we can. Uh, lay a concrete pad in somewhere. I mean, as as throwers, at some points you end up feeling like you're some sort of dogger that just goes around <laughs> the country looking for bits of concrete you can set up shop. I know. I'm always, lo- I'm always looking. Darcy's like, oh, what are you doing eh? I'm like, 
I'm just just looking for a bit of throw. That's uh, so. <laughs> with the whole lockdown thing. Myself and Amy, we've been walking Gus around our local area, and we're going places where we maybe normally wouldn't just because we've got the time. And I'll be like, oh, there's a there's a field. I wonder there's who a... owns that. I wonder if I could maybe get in touch with them. Or, uh, oh, there's, there's a, a good car point there, yeah. a bit of grass next to it. And, you know, there's all these thoughts that do go through your mind. Yeah. Kyle, they'll be getting in touch with you once you uh, become Netflix famous. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Not, not really. Uh, no, it's one of these <laughs> things. Whenever, whenever you get an extensive bit of filming um, done on yourself as like a, let's use the word in quotations, athlete, you, yeah. you don't get to see the edited finished product, so you have no idea what light they're going to shine you in. You know, yeah, you yeah. make us look like the old, the old conquering hero, or you can get made to look uh, to make like a bit of a fool. So, but there's a character assassination. There, there's a there's, what's the documentary going to be called? Home game, is it? Yes, yeah, so I think it's, it's going to be called Home Game or Home Games, and it's basically right. a series of sports that are perhaps a little bit more obscure or unknown in the world, um, and it's basically just shining a highlight on them. So there's a whole load of uh, there's a whole load of sports. There's some deep sea free diving um, that they're going to cover. There's a, an Italian sort of sport which I can only describe as football crossed over with rugby, crossed over with wrestling, crossed over with boxing. Um, I forget the name off the top of my head. Um, somewhat ironically, they're covering uh, the sport of the. It's basically dead goat polo. So when I was in Kyrgyzstan in 2018, we actually went to watch a game. Uh, and it's called uh, Coke Peru. Probably saying that wrong. But they literally just <laughs> cut the head off a goat and they play polo on horseback with two goals. Um, and instead of a polo ball and, you know, hitting it, it's like passed around the horses and they just wrestle each other for this this dead goat. Um, there's also going to be a roller derby episode, which I'm sure will be very interesting. Um, and, and there's a whole variety of sports that aren't even jumping to mind. So... Yeah, that comes out on the 26th of June if anyone's interested. I'm sure we could probably do a little snippet episode just talking about that and what it was like. Um, yeah. But I'm sure it'll be interesting. They followed us extensively for about a week, um, sort of with a, the grand occasion being the Braemar Games. Um, myself and Jamie Dawkins kind of featured in it with a lot of cameos and interviews from others. So it'll be interesting to see how it how it turns out. Definitely, no. That's going to be cool. I don't think there's I... ever been anything on, on that sort of scale uh, you know, net Netflix is kind of worldwide, so it'd be cool to uh, get a bit of exposure for the for the games and for you to become a an online influencer. Please <laughs> never ever use that phrase again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, John, I suppose that the one finishing off point is from you starting the games as a wee a, a wee young laddie. What do you think has changed in in the general makeup of the games and the heavy events from then till now? Um, well, there's obviously a lot more safety measures now. There's a lot, you know, um, uh, game, uh, hammer nets and that kind of thing. Um, there's also, I don't know how to put this. There's a, there's there's less kind of enforcers on the go. Do you know what I'm trying to say? You know, like a Roy Keane figure. <laughs> aye, we're 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 not uh, we're not hard enough. Exactly. Aye, I think. Yeah. You know, you look at the previous ones that, that you've had. You wouldn't, uh, you know, if there's any nonsense going on, they would have put a stop to it pretty quickly. But there's, there's not really that now. Yeah, is that, is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I, I think uh, even chatting to to my dad about, you know, when when he was throwing, I think uh, he'll he'll see things occasionally on the field now, and he'll be like, ah, 
never got away with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. it's a fair point. I, think I don't know. Is it just maybe got something to do with the modern culture of not wanting to upset anyone or you know, um, sort of throw a spanner on the works, but. Sometimes if you see something and, you know, it's a dick move, you need to just say that that's a dick move. Or, you know, if you see something that's happened or going on and it's not right, then you kind of need to just call it out rather than pussyfoot about it. It's all about your moral compass, Kyle. Correct. And some people can't find that magnetic north. <laughs> but no, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, is this you? What do you, is this, what'd you is guys this think? You, publicly saying that you're going to become an enforcer, John. No, I don't think you can go and put 40 foot and then start telling anyone what to do. So, maybe think... if we add maybe if we add all our throws together. <laughs> and gang up. Uh, no, it's, it's just like the way it's changed sort of thing. It's, it's, I suppose it's the same in all sports. It's not really the same kind of that kind of thing about it. Yeah, no, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is rugby the same? Uh, no, pe- people are are obviously, uh, you know. I, I think times have changed, um, and people tend to be. I don't think people have necessarily changed. You know, yeah. I, I don't. I think at times that's definitely a bad thing. Um, other times it's not. You know, so yeah, I, I think it's a fair point that that you make, and whether or not that should change, I don't know. I don't don't have the answer to that, but um, yeah, it's def- definitely a a fair point, I would say. Yeah, I was just wanted to say, what what do you think, guys? Think about the the whole social distancing thing with this COVID nineteen. Do you think that's going to affect games moving forward, or do you think it's just going to kind of go away and we can just get on with it? I mean, I like, I'd like to hope desperately that by the start of the game season next year, so you're talking, you know, end of April, sort of May time, I'd like to think things are going to be as close to back to normal as we can imagine, and I'd like to think it's not going to be a, a lingering after effect, but honestly, the way the way it's been recently, you, you can't really predict anything, can you? Um, you can only yeah. you can only cross your fingers and, and hope that it doesn't end up like that. I mean, I don't... I don't think you could have a game running with social distancing in place. Like, ha- I mean, the crowd sits so close together. There's just, you know, beverages being partaken, food being eaten. And, you know, you probably couldn't really do that at games if you were having some of the measures in place that we currently have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, and if it was, it's all right if it's a nice day and then people can get their beer and then come and go into the field. But, yeah. Uh, but if if you're if it's raining, most people just go straight to the beer tent, and then that's your, you know, that's a major income for the for the games as well. Apart from the gate money, which if you have social distancing, you can't have as many people through the gate. But I mean, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come to that and, and get back to normal fairly soon. But I think it's I think it's something that the committees are worried about. Yeah, I mean, I told you I was sort of hopelessly optimistic that we'd maybe have a games and. You know, the end of August, September, but I mean, I, I, I don't know if even most people are going to be back to full time working by then. Um, I know there's sort of our furlough scheme is going to get sort of put in maybe part time um, coverage. So, I mean, it's a weird time and it, I don't think this has uh, ever happened before. It's just unprecedented, really. I think the most frustrating thing is for, so, John, you you obviously work for, for SSE, but so you, you've been working through, whereas Kyle and myself have been off for over a month now. Men of leisure. Um, 
so so we've got plenty of time to train, which which is pretty frustrating because you're you're feeling like yeah. you can throw far, and then I'm I'm terrible for getting distracted and saying ah, I'm going to do strongman, I'm going to do rugby, I'm going to do you know, whereas I need to just focus, sh- shut my mouth and, and focus on Highland Games, um, so I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. But yeah, definitely a frustrating time, and I think that's that's again why we've uh, tried to get get the podcast up and running. Yeah, well, I think I think it's good, uh, you know, a good way of keeping it, the games relevant in everyone's life. You know, people listening to this might get kind of get, you know, these episodes might get think forgetting about the games, and then they think, oh, I need to get back training. And um, yeah, it's it's, it's good. I mean, I was talking about work. I when I'm travelling to sites throughout kind of the north of Scotland, I I put podcasts on all the time, so you're. Um, yeah. It's handy just to have on, and then you can take takes the kind of monotony out of the journey. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I listen to them um, in in the car for work as well. But ho- hopefully, we'll be able to kind of reach out to some new people as well. And we've said it nearly every episode. But if if anyone is interested in getting getting into the the Highland Games and specifically the kind of heavy events, just just get in touch with with any of us. Um, and I'm sure we'd be happy to kind of steer you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I mean, I've had a few people reach out to me. Um, I mean, I told you what I did with Chris. I basically say for four weeks, just go out and get some reps thrown. And that'll pretty quickly tell you um, how dedicated or interested people are if they sort of stick that out. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I've had people over the last, say, 10 years talk to me about throwing. And there's some people you put a bit of effort in, you maybe give them a bit of equipment, and then you don't hear from them again. So... It gets to a point where you basically think, sod that, and uh, it's almost like approving yourself, if that makes sense. Well, there's, there's, there's never been an easier time to pick up techniques. You know, YouTube's full of videos. You can, you know, everybody that's a thrower is pretty much on Facebook. So all you have to do is, you know, speak to one, and then you can find out, you know, get some technique advice or whatever. I tell you, John, one thing you've mentioned that didn't even occur to me is we, we've talked about the future of the games and, you know, getting new new throwers in. I feel like a novice category ran in the morning could be a great addition to any games, even if it's only a handful of events. Um, God, definitely, yeah. Up your way, there's a few of them, but it could be an interesting thing to trial or run down here. Yeah, definitely, but they don't, they don't seem to be that well attended uh, now. I don't know why that is. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I, I competed in the the with the called it the novice at Invercarron. I think it was like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, uh, and I won it. And then I remember myself and Jamie Gunn were just young lads at the time, and I think there was a point between us, and I almost got to the point where none of us wanted to lose because they told us that whoever won it wouldn't be in it the next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you've got. Um, the under twenty fives, and there wasn't that many last year, was there? Yeah, I think they averaged they averaged like three throws a games, which uh, isn't good for the future, you know. No, why, I, why do you think I, that is? I think it's just uh, people getting into the sport don't know about it, or, or people who aren't getting into it. Sorry, um, we we need a bit more publicity. I know that SHGA have been doing a really good job of of trying to get events out there and publicise open days and things like that, and. We probably just need more more Highland games to buy into that, and whether we could look to 
uh, link up with some local athletics clubs or things like that because there's so many talented throwers come through and they hit maybe 21, 22 um, and they don't really want to be travelling three or four hours to take three throws anymore. So they're the ones that, that we need to target, whether it be male or female, to get them into the, the Highland Games. And we've said it before, you don't need to start when you're 14, 15. You know, if, if you can come in at sort of early 20s or even mid to late 20s for Highland Games, you, you've still got time to, to progress. Um, so I think teaming up with with some athletics clubs would be would be really positive for for the heavy events probably for the athletics side too yeah you can get your yeah, no, cross code throwers i think it's yeah. a good good idea of people doing different sports and not necessarily saying well i'm 15 i want to be do the highland games go try, try other sports but but you know it all all co- correlates well if you can do one thing likely that you can do another sport sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, especially when you're young. You know, you, you need to focus on uh, a range of sports rather than just trying to become a, a Highland Games professional because realistically there's not much in it. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, another thing I forgot to mention. I've done, have you ever seen Hamish's technique in doing the 28? <laughs> I knew Hamish was going to come up. We almost made it for the second episode without even mentioning the man's name. Well, no, that's what, that's what I was conscious of, so I'm, I thought I would get in there. <laughs> we'll finish up with Hamish then. Uh, I have seen his 28 technique, yeah. I can't I can't fully remember. Is it is it like what um, Spencer Tyler does now? Nah, I can't. I can't describe to me, and I think it's on that film that he did with Jeff Capes. What was it? I think, the, I think he maybe did a full 360 on his first turn, did he? It's something like that. I think that's what he did. I, I think he started as if you were going into your drive phase, but he did a full 360. Um, but there's another guy, Carl Dodge, Quadzilla, he used to get called. And uh, he did three turns and he threw over 90 foot. Wow. Yeah, you've got to be yeah. so strong to block that for the front though. Uh, ma- massively, but that's that's why he was Quadzilla. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Hamish, uh, you know, it might work for for some people, um, but I certainly think for for starting out, you, you just go with the most basic technique you can, and then now's probably a good time for us to be working on things like that. Uh, well, I think I think Kyle, you often see Kyle warming up that one turn. I think that's a good a good way of. You know, solidifying that technique. Yeah, well, the one the one turn for me, it's quite new. Like, I know a lot of the Americans have done it for a long time, but for me, the the one turn is quite quite a new thing. I used to do it a wee bit when I was throwing the discus, uh, like a run it. But for for throwing the weight, um, I used to do one turns, but start fa- face face the front, um, which doesn't make much sense. Whereas when you turn side on. And do do the one turn from from that sort of drive position um, seems to convert quite nicely then into the full throw. I mean, is it not just a simple you know a simple phrase learn to walk before you can run though? Like, why why pick up a twenty eight and try and do two turns and throw it as fast as you can as as you know technically sound as you can when you can't do a one turn properly? It just yeah, it's completely alien to me. Um, 
It's like when you see people on the hammer who are brand new to the sport, they immediately get hammer boots and then they start throwing. Like, what what are you doing? Like, you're gonna you're gonna make it more difficult for yourself than than if you learn to throw without first. Do you think if you if you only learn to run, then you can't walk? I believe so. You'll just be sprinting everywhere. Flat out. <laughs> I'm just thinking though, because because my one turns aren't aren't very good, um, and I never used to do them. Like I said, I did a lot of line drills and full throws. Uh, but yeah, I think I definitely need to break mine down. <laughs> That's why I'm so svelte. I just run everywhere. <laughs> what weight are you now, Sinclair? Uh, I don't know, John. I don't know. I've, I've, I've dropped a fair bit. I think I'll be in the range of like 129, 130. This, uh, next season, Sinky's going to go for a new approach. And instead of talking about trying strongman or rugby, he's going to do bodybuilding. <laughs> oh, all right. That'll be impressive. <laughs> got the speedos already <laughs> but uh, yeah John uh, th- thank you thank you for coming on uh, for, for episode 8 I really appreciate you coming on for a chat and it's always good even just catching up yeah cheers thanks for having me yeah but yeah um, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get another episode out in the next week or so and uh, yeah if anyone is interested there's going to be a TV series called Home Games on Netflix I believe it airs the 26th of June um, and it's basically just about the journey to Braemar and there's some like uh, incredibly awkward scenes of like me and Amy cooking in the kitchen that I hope didn't make the edit, um, but <laughs> we only, only need to wait and see. Looking forward to it, Kyle. Thanks, John. Cheers. Cheers, Nick.